Hello, hello, ladies, and welcome to another episode of the Liberated Woman podcast. I am your host, Cristiano Green, and I'm a mindset coach for women, and I help women to move past and overcome their own fears, rejection, and doubt so they can become totally liberated and live their best life. So this is episode number two, and this week I promised, well, last week I promised that I would share a little bit about my story and my journey and how I obviously stepped into where I am at today coaching women. So really, um, you know, the, it's, it's the long story, but not so long in the sense that I'm going to share it in a more concise way. So growing up, um, you know, I was a middle child. And anyone out there who is a middle child in a, you know, a, a pretty big family understands that it can be tough for, for a middle child. Um, you know, you can feel left out. You can feel overlooked. Um, and it also depends on, you know, how many kids there are, how long between ages, et cetera, et cetera. But I was the youngest boy and then and then I had a sister below me. So um, I always had this notion in my head that, there was something wrong with me, and that if I was a girl, they wouldn't have had another child. So I always had all these stories that I made up there, and on top of that being um, gay and different, the only gay person in the family, um, led to, you know, um, what I would call a um, difficult childhood in, in many ways. Not because, you know, I didn't have love for my family, but because I felt so alone and isolated. So because this was, you know, a bit of the narrative, um, growing up, we actually moved around quite a bit. So I was born in Canada and then um, at a young age, we moved to England and then lived there for a number of years. And then we moved over to Australia. And so because I moved around a lot, I didn't feel like I ever got to really, you know, have any close friends. And then when I came to Australia, um, life was very different in Australia than it was to UK. So, you know, in, in the UK, you know, I was into the Spice Girls and pop music and all of that. But when you came to Australia in the school where I was at, everyone was into rap and R&B. So, you know, I was the target. I was one, the youngest person in the school. I was the smallest person in the school. Um, I was the new kid in the school. Um, and, you know, I had a nasally voice and was more of a feminine child. So definitely was the target. And, and because of that, I got bullied a lot in school. Um, and that was the whole way through school. I moved to Australia when I was in year four. So like all the way from year four up till, you know, year 12. And for me, um, I hated school. I thought like school was a punish. Um, I was, you know, getting uh, bullied. I was getting called names. I was getting called faggot and loser and poofter and all of the names that you can think of, right? I was getting pushed around, tripped over, downstairs, embarrassed. People threw things at me, like going to the bathrooms was a scary experience. I would often hold it because I would, you know, going there would put me in a vulnerable position. So, you know, because of that, I didn't really learn anything at school. And I found school to just be, you know, trying to survive it, really. I didn't really have any friends. I, you know, there, there was like misfit groups and stuff. I was in those groups. But even those people, I still didn't feel like I was a part of, a, you know, a friendship group. I can't even really remember any of those people's names, to be honest, because that's how isolated I would often be. And uh, uh, because of that, it led to a lot of depression, 
and a lot of social anxiety. And I would say social anxiety to, to the place where like, you know, even when I was, you know, outside of school time, I'd be too afraid to go to the shops. I'd be too afraid to go to the doctors on my own. My mom would have to come with me and take me everywhere because I didn't want to go out on my own because I was afraid. I had a lot of fears that came up because of it, right? So then and on top being gay and in the closet, severely in the closet because I was so afraid of it because at school I was getting picked on and bullied and pushed around, you know, called all the names under the sun. I was so afraid that if I went home and, you know, my family knew any of this stuff that I even got bullied or any of those things, they would start to ask questions. So they didn't know any of this stuff that was going on for me. And, of course, I, I, I would go home and I'd hide away in my room. So thinking of, of, of the usual thing, you think, you know, when you leave school, all of that shit will leave you behind you. But I went into the workplace and then the bullying continued. So um, I was always a hard worker because, you know, I would throw myself into things to try to be really good at it so that people would um, not notice the gay things, right? If I was a great, you know, um, if I was great at work, people would see that and go, oh, you know, he's a great employee. He's great at this. He's fast at this, da, 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 da. And that was, that was in my mind what I would see. And that's quite a, a common thing for a lot of, you know, LGBT people is they overcompensate in other areas by being perfectionists, right? And that kind of, you know, led me well throughout my career to, to, to being a super perfectionist as well. But going into the workplace, I continued to get bullied, even by not only by, you know, other people who were, you know, say employees, but even by managers, right? Um, in, 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 in my very first job where I was working in a supermarket, um, the manager of the whole supermarket actually, you know, came in and choked me, uh, and called me faggot and told me that, you know, said all these names to me and then said that, you know, if, uh, you know, who, who, who am I like, if I was to go and complain, who are they going to believe a little faggot like me or him? So, um, yeah, so I, I, I continually got, got, got abused and, and bullied throughout that period. So, you know, I got to a place where, um i couldn't take it anymore and i really contemplated suicide right and you know there are a lot of men out there gay men who actually go through the the notion of thinking about this one in ten people actually attempt or go ahead with suicide which is hugely 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 high numbers right when you think about the general population that's like four times higher than the general population so of course you know it's a more common experience in our in our society right for for gay men um, but moving forward anyway, um, I got to a point where like I had to, you know, make a decision. Was I ever going to go ahead with, with, with suicide or was I going to do something about it and try to be happy? And so I said to myself, I'm going to give myself, you know, the chance to go out and meet other gay people and see what the gay life is like, and then, you know, decide what I want to do. Because, you know, this is an option that I'm thinking of. I'd rather at least try to be happy and see if I can do something about it and see what this life is like. Otherwise, you know, I'll never know. So I was living about an hour and a half away from Sydney at the time, which is more of a coastal town, it's called Central Coast, which is more like, a, I guess, you know, like I said, more country, more coastal. Like I said, I didn't know a single gay person, I guess, at, during those times in the early 2000s. People were, I guess, were very much in the closet still, like, um, so I didn't know a single person, so I had no idea of what they were. The only things I did know about were what you would see on TV and, you know, you'd see them in shows like CSI, right? And in those shows, they were usually getting killed or something would happen to them, right? They didn't have any good representation, especially back then, right? So for me, like I said, I had no idea of what it was going to be like. So I decided to go down to, to Sydney um, and I, I, you know, did a search online. Um, I even had to go to a, like an internet cafe 
nowhere near where I lived because I was too afraid to search at home in case someone would find out, um, you know, my search engines. I was searching for, for gay bars or gay, gay establishments, right? And so I found a number of different places in Sydney and luckily, you know, Sydney being a big city, it had a higher, you know, population of gay people. So there were actually gay bars, gay clubs, um, gay saunas, things like that, right? So I, I found one and I did some research and I found this one called Arc Nightclub. And I said, you know what, I'm going to at least go down there and, and give it a go. And so I went down there, um, completely got lost. It's been an hour and a half. It took me like three and a half hours. And I almost turned around and said, maybe this is a sign that I shouldn't go. But I decided that I would make it. And I ended up going there, um, got there early. But, you know, eventually when I saw it and it picked up and, and it turned into, you know, full of gay men and, and what a club would be, what you, what you probably know as a club would be, um, I was like, wow, like there are so many gay people here and they look like they're having the time of their absolute life. Everyone's fun and dancing and chatting and, you know, having a great time, drinking, fun. Wow. Like, cause I'd never been to a club before either. So I had no idea of what a club was like, because like I said, I had no friends and I was a social anxiety. So to, to even get there was, was a big, big deal for me. And so, um, you know, so when I saw it, I was like, wow, like these people are all so happy. Right. And the truth was, is that, you know, so many of them were, drinking and so many of them were taking drugs and they were having the best time right so I kind of got caught up into that kind of a lifestyle thinking this is what the gay life is like and so I slowly started to go out I slowly started to meet people become friends with people and you know got into that kind of a scene so I was going out once a week twice a week three times a week four times a week five times a week um drinking taking drugs and having the best time meeting other gay people feeling like wow there's other people out there who understand this experience for myself right and so long story short that was kind of my lifestyle for the next 10-15 years now I'd go out and have a great time and have all these friends right became a massive people pleaser a massive perfectionist because coming from a place where I didn't have any friends to starting to meet people who were just like me and becoming friends with them I just you know I wanted everyone to like me so I was a people pleaser doing anything that everyone wanted me to do in order to do that, which is why, like, I got myself into, you know, 30, 40 grand worth of, of debt because I was going out, I was buying things, this, doing that, buying people drinks, you know, being that friendly person because I wanted, like I said, to please other people so that they would like me, right? And that was what I was, I thought I had to do. I didn't, you know, because I had really so low, low self-worth and really low, no, like pretty much zero confidence, you know, getting into to drinking and doing drugs. Wow, I felt like I was a confident person. Like, wow, like I can go out, I can talk to people, I can be fun, I can be the life of the party, right? But the truth was, when I would go home, I would still have those feelings of depression, still have those feelings of anxiety, right? And so, getting caught into those that 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 uh, that scene, I got heavily caught up into alcohol and drugs, and it became a real problem in my life to the point where um, I would black out from alcohol or drugs at least once a week. I've been to hospital drug overdoses at least six times right so for me doing that it felt like a normal life because all of my friends were going through these experiences right all these other gay men were either going to hospital on a regular basis or blackout drunk nights and you wake up oh, that was the best night ever even though i have no recollection of like 90 percent of it so that was that was the lifestyle that i lived right and um, like i said that went on for you know well over 10 15 years on, you know, all whilst I was moving up in the corporate ladder, having more and more responsibility, 
being my perfectionist self, like I said earlier, I became the best at work. And that meant that I became a leader. That meant because I moved up into this position, this position, this position. And, you know, at the end of my corporate career, I had a team of over 300 people. Um, and it was growing rapidly, 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 right? I, I pretty much grew an organization to, to, to a size there. Um, and like I said, still managing to, to have a high social life. I was, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And like I said, utilizing alcohol and drugs to manage my stress levels because it was a very high stress job. And like I said, I was a people pleaser and a perfectionist. So whenever there was something to do, everyone would give me that because they knew that it would get done and it would get done to the to the best of anyone's ability, right? So doing that, I was like I said, I was thrown all thrown in the deep end all the time. And you know, felt like I, I didn't have anyone to rely on. Because as a gay person. You know, I was always wanting to find a partner, but I never did because I, like I said, you know, it just wasn't, I wasn't in the right place for it. But I thought that that, that, that was what I needed for someone to love me, for me to be able to love myself. Truth was, I kept finding people who didn't love me and rejected me. And that gave me so much self-doubt. And then I had a, a huge fear around, you know, meeting people in that le level because of all of the rejection that I had. And growing up, I experienced so much rejection, as I've, you know, shared throughout this experience, that I had to learn how to overcome all of that because the rejection was holding me back. And, you know, I knew that I had a, a higher purpose and a higher passion to, to help other people, which is why, obviously, now I have a, a coaching business, right? But, but, you know, it all came to a catalyst really um, a few years ago when we got to COVID time. Of course, everything shut. I could no longer go out. I really couldn't socialize. All I was stuck at home was working, 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 drinking, 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 drinking. And it became where I had one of those rock bottom moments where like I'd probably been drinking the whole weekend because I had nothing else to do. And I think I remember waking up on like a Monday morning, like could not remember the whole weekend and just, you know, a, a, like on the floor crying my eyes out going, when is this going to stop? When is this going to stop? And I just remember going like, isn't there something more for me? Like, why, why, what is wrong with me? And I remember that I, I had to, to, to really realize and say, hey, look, you know, I've been looking for other people to validate me for so long. I've been looking for everyone else to approve of me. I've been looking for everyone else to love me so that I can, you know, validate myself. I can approve of myself and I can love myself and, and, and all of that. And you know what? I'm, I was getting sick. I was fed up with that right? Always looking for someone else. And it was just always a letdown. So I said to myself, you know what? I've got to stop focusing on all this stuff. I've got to focus on me. I've got to focus on my own happiness. I've got to focus on trying to love myself. So I really decided that I had to make some massive changes in my life. So I worked on, you know, getting off of the alcohol and the drugs. I went to AA meetings. I got myself a sponsor, a coach, things like that. You know, I started to you decide that I needed to make big changes in all areas of my life, you know. So I started focusing on getting healthy in a mental and physical way, meaning like what was I putting into my body? You know, like I said, if I'm going to remove all the alcohol, then I've got to remove all that shitty foods that I was, you know, consuming, right? So I, I completely changed around my diet and, like I said, got caught up into going into, you know, the fitness world. You know, of course, I couldn't go to couldn't go to classes during COVID, so I was walking a lot. I, I was doing other home things at home, right? Getting into my fitness and all of that stuff. So I did that. And then I decided that like, you know what? 
I've got to continue to grow. I've got to do all these different things and different courses that I've wanted to do for so long. So I signed up for all of Tony Robbins' courses, all of Brenda Bouchard's stuff, Grant Cardone, Mel Robbins, all of these different people I got um, there. And I went to all their courses, um, like John Martini, right? I did everything possible because every time I went to something, I came back and I started to take off layers and layers and layers and layers of stuff. And underneath all of that stuff, I realized, wow, like every time I thought that someone else was rejecting me, it was just a confirmation that I had been rejecting myself. And so I was seeing their rejection and it was really was my rejection of myself. And I noticed all these different things around my fears and my doubts and my traumas and my insecurities and the stuff that I went through growing up as a gay man, being bullied, like the isolation, um, you know, fear around what everyone else would think of me, like all those perceptions that I had of what everyone else thought of me lived and ruled my life. You know, being the perfectionist, being the people pleaser, stressed out of my mind, overwhelmed constantly, right? Fight or flight mode always, like always wondering who's going to come at me next, right? I had to work through and change all of that stuff and, and really go through deep into to, to those beliefs that I was holding on to, right? And, and one of those earliest beliefs was, like I said, there is something wrong with me. And that came back from being a, a middle child in a big family and thinking that, again, if I was a girl, my parents wouldn't have had another child. At the end of the day, like all of these stuff was stories that I was telling myself and they were ruling my life. And so I had to go through and rewire all that stuff, work on my mindset on a consistent basis to be able to then be a happier person. And it didn't take very long for me because I, I jumped straight in. I, when I said I was in, I was all in. And like I said yes to everything I possibly could, right? Um, and again, being the perfectionist, you know, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to do everything perfectly. So I really nailed it, right? And the great thing was is I had all the time in the world. So I, I had all the time to do with this stuff and focus on all this stuff. And what happened on the other side of it? I started being happier. I started finding my own fulfillment. I started to realize my confidence in myself was growing. I started to find, what, like, what are these feelings of self-love? Where are they coming from? I started liking myself and then moving into loving myself. And like my self-esteem went up, my self-awareness went up, all of these different things, right? And because of that, I had to really, you know, make amends. I had to have all these different conversations with all these different people in my life. Some of them meant that they were no longer going to be in my life because, you know, when you make some changes in your life, especially big changes like that, especially if you've been in a situation where you're like you're caught up in a party scene and you decide to get out of it and you do some changes, a lot of people fade away. So I had to go through a lot of shedding what I'm called shedding of the skin. And when I shed those skins, like people faded away because of it. And that was hard to deal with. And I had to go through dealing with all of these different things, but knowing at the other side of it, like it was about me, it had nothing to do with these other people. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to focus on my life and to move away from being lonely and start, like I said, feeling some inner peace and freedom in my own life. And when that all started to happen, I started to see all these changes. I knew that it was time for me to make a massive change in my career as well. Now, I'd wanted to go out and help um, people for a very, very long time. I'd done a counselling degree. I had done a numerous different things throughout my experience. Like I said, you know, over 15 years of experience in leadership and whatnot. And I knew that I was really good at connecting with people and also coaching people because I had been coaching in corporate for all of that time as well. And so I decided that I would go and try to help people in my community who are going through my struggles, right? 
And I did that for the next three years. And it was a very rewarding experience to help people, you know, really shift through their identity, help people who were newly coming out. I helped people find relationships. I helped people, you know, change their careers. I helped people get through, remove themselves from all their traumas and start to really focus on loving themselves as well. And it was great. Um, but I came into some hurdles in that in that area. And uh, my, most of those hurdles came around trust. And it came around, you know, really not trusting themselves. And when you can't trust yourself, very difficult for you to trust somebody else. And so, you know, I wanted to make a huge difference. And I was making, you know, what I would call a, a medium-sized difference. I was helping people helping people, helping people, but like never being able to grow anything and feeling like I could make a bigger difference and, and purpose. Um, and I also, you know, looked back on a lot of my life as well, because, you know, as you go through the life of an entrepreneur, you really try to like solve problems that are going through right now and also look back and you have time to reflect. And I realized that like for pretty much most of my life, like most of the people in corporate that I was coaching were women. Most of my friends were women. Like I had a huge population of women that were friends. Like, you know, I was the token gay person, right? But like I really had a lot of close friends, and I still do, that are women. I, of course, had some friends that were gay, but majority were women. Um, and what I found is, was another big problem within the gay community is that so many gay men find that they don't feel like they fit into the gay community. And I, I felt that as well. And so because of that, I knew that, what about stepping in and helping other women? Because like I said, I've got so much experience in coaching women. I've got so many friendships with women where I like, you know, automatically had a high level of trust that they would trust and come into me with, with, with all their problems because I was good in those areas and I was helpful in those areas. And I, I and, and I, I have a belief that so many women also trust gay men because they also know all of the struggles that they've been through in their life. They can relate to them and also like, they can have a different, completely different perspective, right? It's a unique perspective that they can have from gay men. And so because of that, it was like, you know, it felt like to me it was a no-brainer to go in and step in and start coaching women because I also have a big passion for the female population and wanting to help them move forward in their life. And I've always been someone who's been more connected to my feminine energy. And I thought, well, if I can tap into all of this stuff, then there's certainly a way that I can help other women. Now, I know that I'm not going to be every woman's cup of tea when it comes to support, um, and I've already seen that. I've already noticed that there are some people out there who, who, are, who, who because just because I'm a man, they don't feel like I can help them, right? And so the kind of clients that I know that I'm looking for and that are looking for me are clients who look outside of the, the, the binary lines of male and female. Like, yes, I am a man, but my experience isn't that of just a man, you know? And so when I'm looking for clients, I, 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 I believe the clients that want my perspective and want my help and want my support and my friendship and, and uh, kinship and all of that are the women who don't necessarily walk the, the straight path in life. People who are, who are, like I said, trying to liberate themselves and step away from the societal norms. And what better way to help someone who's definitely walked the path well outside of the normal societal norms. So, you know, if you're someone who's out there as a woman who, you know, is stuck, be, is, is sick of being stuck under the, the, the weight of the world's expectations of you or man's expectations of you or your family's expectations of you, then I believe you, I'm the, the type of person that you, you, you want to work with, right? Because that's been my entire life. I've had to go against the grain. I had to go against 
what everyone else has said about me. And I've had to move away from all of those old belief systems and to really have a rock solid mindset and know that I'm moving forward in the direction of my life and my dreams and putting myself first. And because of that, I'm making a difference, right? So this is where I'm at in what I'm doing. And that's kind of my journey that I've been through here today. So I'd love to, you know, hear from you ladies. What do you, what do you, what do you feel um, when I share this story? Is there something that you can relate to in my journey that you feel like, you know, you want to share with me? Because I love hearing from my listeners, right? I've seen this is the second podcast that I've had. I had one that was, of course, dedicated to, to gay men before this. And I would love hearing the stories from them. So now, you know, I'm reaching out saying, ladies, tell me your story. Tell me your journey. I want to connect to you as much as you hear from me. Like I said, I want to go on this journey together. And that's why I created this Liberated Woman podcast to share my story, to share other women's stories, um, and to also hear your stories as well. So feel free to, you know, comment, reach out to me on social media. I'm sure you know where I am on Instagram and um, Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and YouTube and all of that, right? You can find me on all those places um, because I'd love to hear from you. Like I said, reach out. Um, of course, if there's a topic you want me to, 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 to cover in this podcast, again, you can reach out to me. I'd love to be able to support um, women in this area and also to hear from you about what, what you're looking for next as well. But otherwise, I'm going to be back next week with a brand new episode of the Liberated Woman podcast. Until then, have a wonderful week and bye for now. Always remember, you've got this and I've got you.